0: Open it up, please, to the Gospel of Genesis, chapter 42. We've made it that far now. Or, should I say, open your apps, flip in your phones and your iPads. And if you actually have one of those really old things, you can turn in your page to Genesis, chapter 42. read this starting in verse one when Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt Jacob said to his sons why do you look at one another he said indeed I have heard that there is grain in Egypt go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die that's usually the way that works so Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity fall or befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and he recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and he spoke roughly to them. And he said to them, "Where do you come from?" And they said, "From the land of Canaan to buy food." Now we need to recognize, as, I, as even before we dive into mean, this, as the picture is being painted in your head. Look quickly at verse 23 and we'll go right back into it, because in verse 23 it does say that um, as they spoke, it says he spoke through an interpreter. And so that's kind of, get that image in your head. Joseph's not speaking directly to them at the moment. He's speaking through a mouthpiece. So Joseph's going, you know, classic Egyptian. You didn't know I was that fluent, did you? And then the translator turns around, the mouthpiece turns to the boys, and he says, hey. He speaks roughly to them. Who are you? That's the idea. Where do you come from? From the land of Canaan to buy food. Translator turns, looks to Joseph and goes. Joseph recognizes brothers, but they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamt about them. And then he said. Translator will say, you are spies. You've come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We're the sons. We're one man's sons. We're honest men. This is the worst guy you could have said that to. Your servants are not spies. Kill a brother here or there. Send him off. Ship him off to slavery. We're honest guys. But he said to them, no, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said, oh, your servants are 12 brothers, the son of a man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today and the one is no more. They have no idea the one that's no more is the one they're speaking to. Who was it? I remember that said, rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated. Joseph said to them, It is as I spoke to you, saying you are spies. In this manner you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. I won't do that anymore. You get the image in your head. You shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, and that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you or else. By the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So we put them all together in prison three days. See how you like it. And Joseph said to them the third day, do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest, men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house. But go, you go and carry grain for your families to your houses. And bring your youngest brother to me so your words may be verified and you shall not die. They did so. And they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered and went, I told you so. Did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy and you would not listen? Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But he did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to him through an interpreter. Then he turned away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them. And he took Simeon with them and bound him before their eyes. Pray with me, would you please? Lord, I am so excited about the fun we're about to have in your word. Lord, redeem every second. Don't allow any time to poorly go by. But Lord, in that minister, you know every one of us. You know our native tongue. You know the language our heart hears best. Lord, you know where decisions are really made in our life, where changes need to be made, where things need to be cemented and secured in. God, that may be wobbly and a little loose right now. Lord, whatever it be in each of our lives, minister right now profoundly to each of us. May your word burst open and come alive before us in a very real, and a very powerful, and a very practical way, Lord, and that each one of us can be personally addressed, that we'd have so much Fun in Your Word. Learning You. Learning Your call, Your will, and our part in it. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to assemble here. And now, God, immerse me in your spirit that you would appear and I would disappear, that I would be a jersey you put on and then fill me to overflowing, God, that you would do through me what I cannot humanly do, to perform the therapy that is necessary upon every one of the people here that you love so much, that you bled and you died for, that you call by name, that you love, that you can't stop thinking about, that you're obsessed in every great way. And so, Lord, I pray right now that this would be the most beautiful, fun, exciting, and good time we've ever had in your word. And the most powerfully, just so powerful in the way, Lord, that we are engaged by you. We've come, Lord, to do more than gather information. Lord, we've come to be changed. So, Lord, we give you permission to do all you desire to do in this time. And may you do every bit of it, we pray, as we commit ourselves in this time to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I would say today, like I would any day, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always be your authority for which you will hold all things to be true or false. Now, it's been a rough road for Joseph. I mean, Joseph, if you remember, was a boy, and we've seen it throughout the standard of, there's a big difference and a sort of a rather large gap in between the inspiration or the aspiration and its execution between that point where God gives the promise and where actually the performance of it comes to pass. Somewhere in between, the road is not necessarily an easy one. Actually, it's one sort of littered and rife with lots of trials and things that actually better prepare us for the very thing in which God ordained. Here's the idea. She's 13. She can't wait to be married. She just knows if he's the perfect man, it's the time. But God says, You're not, it's not time for you, even if the perfect man came. You are not prepared for it. It's like giving a a small child a chainsaw. And and, and you you understand there's that time. Even if there is that sort of Thing in the heart, something happens where God is actually not only going to prepare the thing to come to pass, but prepare you for that thing. And whether that is 40 years in the wilderness to actually give Moses the opportunity to learn how to be a shepherd and how to herd dumb animals so that he can actually handle a couple million people, that's good testing. Or whether it's learning how to be a sheep like David so he can submit himself to the great Lord and shepherd of his soul so he could learn how to be a shepherd among and not just above like David would have. To. We're all in that process. And if you're not in practice, you're in prep. And that becomes part of this. Now, in all of this, David is, in essence, starting to see the execution of this dream that God had given him. Now, we know at least 20 something years ago. Now, it has been a rough road for him. Now, in between that time, he's been sold, he's been sent to Egypt. He will remain the rest of his life in Egypt. Matter of fact, once he leaves Egypt, it'll be bones of him, and that'll be it. And so, uh, in in that time, there's going to be some pretty heavy things. He's been sold by his brothers. Now, it's very important to recognize, even from the time that he gets these visions, he's been favored by his father. He gets this cloak of importance, in essence, a cloak of a firstborn, of authority. Uh, and, And in that his brothers, we read, can't speak peaceably to him. Now, understand what that means. That means all they speak is rough to him. That's ten older brothers that never have a nice thing to say, but have much to say to you. Now, putting those two together is, is a really bad combination. And Joseph's life is a rough one. Joseph had gone and visited the brothers of the maid servants. Um, by the way, that would be Zilpah and And he gives a bad report back. And with that, then he's going to go and visit his other brothers in Shechem. And he finds out they're not even in Shechem. They're in Dothan. This is north now of where they live in Hebron. And, and, and he's treated like a spy. As he comes, they're like, ah, we're going to take the guy. Let's just kill him. And yeah, you know, and we'll just dip that coat of his. We'll tell the dreamer. We'll dip that coat and tell daddy was eaten by beasts. Ah, oh, let's not do that. Let's throw him in a pit. Oh, come on, you guys. We can't kill him. He's our brother. Let's sell him. And they sell him off to Midian. And off he heads to Egypt. And that was over 20 years ago. And in that time, there he was. And this is what Joseph has to carry. Now understand, this becomes such a radically different thing between Christianity and anything else. Anything else. Anything else. Is that when we start talking about the difference of how we handle problems, and we're going to see the biggest problem starting to be dealt with here. Here's the issue. That in all of our lives, we kind of recognize a couple of things. One is that the world's messed up, and you really have to be more than inebriated to try to think that the world is just utopic. Uh, in all of that, we realize that we have ways that we have to deal with it. The, the vast majority of the way of doing it is just sort of mildly remove it, because that's the best we can do on our own. And so what we'll do is we'll drink, we'll go see movies, we'll do whatever we can to just try to remove the, the problem for a moment so I don't have to think about it. Man, just give me some good music, or let me just zone into some other time-space continuum in another galaxy far, far away. And certainly for a couple hours I can stop thinking about it or I'm going to chase after another relationship and get drunk in this relationship, of this relationship. And, but sooner or later you wake up and that thing's back in your face and it's grown interest and that becomes bigger. And that's part of the problem here. And see, the thing is, is that's the best the world will ever have to offer is a slight, a slight removal. But God is always into, re- into resolving. And the difference is, is that God plays for keeps. And that becomes the difference. And so all of a sudden now I'm not just trying to remove something. It's the difference between ignoring a bill and paying it. And Jesus is not about ignoring a bill because he paid the greatest bill. Now understand in all of that we have that problem dealt with here. These boys who over 20 years ago sold their brother while he begged them. He was 17 years old and he begged them, please don't do this to me. You can't do this to me. Guys, I'm your brother. You can't. Please. And, we read, and we'll read, we read by the end of this chapter that this is, didn't we see the anguish upon him? I mean, the idea of this is just this absolute grief. This kid was just hysterical. He was a 17-year-old kid who we have no reason to believe had ever been anywhere farther from the house than checking up on his brothers, who now is getting sold into a land he's never been to in a place, by the way, the only two things we knew about Egyptians is that they hate Hebrews, it's an abomination to eat with them and they hate shepherds and the poor kid's a Hebrew shepherd it's like a double whammy it's as bad as it gets and you're going to send him off to there these, and you could just see the heartlessness of these brothers and their hatred towards them and now all of a sudden, what did it take? Oh, the years of plenty. Nobody starts looking around to see how to deal with it. And by the way, if you get enough plenty, maybe you can forget for a little while about your problems. And even Joseph did in the plenty. In the seven years of plenty, Joseph actually, even his first son, he calls him, he makes me forget. But please understand, forgetting in and of itself isn't permanent. I don't know about you, but even in my as I... I'm not old, but as I get older, um, I tend to forget some things. By the way, the the best part about it, the, the upswing of it is, my wife and I have nothing to argue over because we can't possibly remember anything to bring a charge. Remember the last time you did that? No, I can't either. There you go. But sooner or later, those things where, that, where some real offenses happen, you can still close your eyes and at these moments of stillness, they still kind of pop back up at you. And if they're not resolved, and, and see the is there's such a big difference between forgetting and forgiving. And Joseph, in this issue with his brothers, he's been very poorly treated. We, there's no doubt about it. But he, he's trying to forget. He's trying to leave it behind. But you know what's interesting is God's not going to let him just do that. Because God's not going to just remove it. He wants to resolve it. But it's not just Joseph in this famine. It's his brothers, too. Because until this point, you would have thought, in the heartless act of this, there's no possible way these people could have a conscience. And yet what we're going to find is, even in the middle of the story, these guys are going, you know why this is? This is because of what we did to our brother 20 plus years ago. And that becomes our problem. See, that becomes the difference between Jesus and everything else. Well, let me put it this way, if I can. Let's just say that, and here's our issue, I've got, I've, I've got some bad things I've done. Probably you do too. N- your brother, I've been talking. I'm just kidding. Um, and, you know, but, but if I can do enough good works, right? If I can do enough good works, won't that be? Isn't that, by the way, just about or actually every other religion to some other degree? Is if, and by the way, people have tried to make Christianity that since the beginning, and it's never been. So here's the idea. I'm born a sinner. All right, you get the idea of that. So I'm born a human being like everyone else. There was nothing angels didn't sing when I was born or anything like that. Uh, and let's just say that this is just me. But then something happens. Let's just say I do something bad. So let's just say this is pride. Wiffle ball legend. And uh, if you don't know what wiffle ball is, that's right. So let's just say that, by the way, it tells us that, that sin is, the wages of sin is death. And do you know this? It says that we are like the scent of death tells us that before we give our life to Christ, we like smell like something dead. So follow me on this. So let's just say this is um, a bad deed. This is a proud deed. Let me tell you how great I am at Wiffle Ball. Yes, the world knows me as a Wiffle Ball legend. All right. Now what happened is I just put on now my shirt, my, my proud shirt. But here's the problem. When I put on my proud shirt, it smells like death. So, so let's just say that this thing has been steeped in Gonzalo's feet and, uh, and a couple rotten eggs. And so, now here's the problem. Now, here I am and I'm kind of going, you don't smell so good. I'm, I'm still trying to look good. I'm a football legend. And you go, you stink. And you're like, no, you get used to it. No, 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 you won't get used to it. You know what I'll do? I know what I'll do. I'm going to do a good deed. I'm going to do a good deed. I'm going to actually give some money to an, to an elderly care facility because what that will do is cover up my bad deeds. So, check it out. Now here I am. The problem is, guess what? I still stink. Do you get that? But it's alright because I covered it up. So now I can actually put something on it that says it wasn't me. Because we just now, we don't know where this stink came from, right? You go into the tube, right? You go into the tube and it just smells so bad all over the whole thing because there's 500 people in a square foot of space. And you know and you know which one did it's the guy that looked around trying to pretend like he did it, right? Well anyway, so okay, but then there's a problem is is that well, okay, so now I'm also mischievous. And the problem is, so uh, I did something mischievous, so because I did something mischievous, that means I got another thing. Now this thing is actually, let's just say on the other hand it's been steeped in rotten milk. It never made it to yogurt. So it's just stinky rotten milk. And so now I've got this on me. So I've got some rotten egg underneath here somewhere. I've got Gonzalo Feet smell in there. And uh, some other Gonzalo, not you. And, uh, and now I've got some mischief stuff. Now I've got like this really like nasty kind of recipe of bad smells going on, right? But that's okay, because you know what happened. if I did something bad? Well, then I know what I need to do. I just need to do another good work, right? So here I am trying to do another good work so that you can't tell it's me. So now here I am. All right. So, all right. So there and now... Woo! Can't tell where that rotten smell is coming from. But now it's like four times as bad, and it's just, you can't even identify what that bad smell is. But it's a bad smell. But it ain't me. And now I've got an arrow that says it's probably him. But then it's like, and the problem is, now I've got like, but okay, it's been like a day. And I haven't, it's like maybe an hour and a half. And in the hour and a half, that's just a couple bad things. So let's just go through the course of a day. How many times do you have to do this through the course of a day just to try to make it even out? So, okay, so all right. Here I am. I'm picking on somebody else. All right. I'm trying to berate someone else because I think I'm super and they're not. So here I am back to sinning. All right. So here I am. This is that French fry grease smell, that chip smell after about six weeks. You ever smell that? That's like, I'm sure that smell is in the abyss. And that's why those nasty flying locust creatures fly out. is because that smell is down there. Alright, so now, here we are, and i got that, ooh, we got a really rank bad dead body smell going on. But I'll just kind of put on something else now, and it's going to be okay, right? So, okay, so this is going to be good now, because it's, it's, it's white. So I should, I'm going to put on a little bit of religion. Yes, you know, this is when I go to church a lot, okay, and we wonder why we can't stand by the end of the day, because we've got all these things, and I'm like this, and I'm weighed down with all this stuff on me, and it's like, oh, I know, the problem is I don't want to think about it anymore, so I'm going to make myself feel better about it, and I know I can do that, yeah, all right, yeah, like me now. Yeah, this is mandarin. Okay. The problem is, you know what happens? You know, and uh, can I just can I just say this? This is because I'm American. And I can't get uh, get away with it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's this. As you know somebody somebody uses the toilet in your house, and you know they're in there for the more. It's like and it's near your kitchen, right? And they're in there for like five, ten minutes, and you start praying, right? Because you haven't finished your meal yet. You haven't finished it, right? You haven't finished. You're like, I'm never come back. What kind of church is this? And then, the then the most horrible thing happens. You hear, because <sighs> someone grabbed the like cinnamon spray, right? Now, you know sometimes what people do is they'll they spray it like they're trying to kill every bug in the house, right? And then what happens is when the door opens, you, you know what you got? Can I just dare say it? you got cinnamon poop that comes into the kitchen, right? Because it didn't take away the smell, it just sat upon the smell. Do you see what I'm saying? So this is I'm gonna go see a movie. Oh, see, I was probably merciful. You're like, no, 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 please, little movie. I'm going to go fall in love. Yeah, there we go. All right. I'm going to go and I know I'm going to go get another degree. Yeah, that's good. All right. I know I'll get a tattoo. Yeah. All right. Okay. And then, okay. And then, ready? And then here's the best part. Okay. And now all of a sudden I got royalty calling me. Oh, guess what? I get an opportunity to go and visit the queen. But that's all right. I'm just going to go and I'm just going to get my coat and I'm just going to go with. Look, it, it even looks like a like a nice coat to put on for it. Oh, and, so, and I'm going to show up like this, right? Any of you think that's smart? I still smell like poop. I still smell like fries. I still smell like this, right? But I put a nice coat on, right? Now, I'm, I wouldn't do that for royalty. Would you do that for royalty? Anyone think that that makes any sense? And then what happens by the end of life? I mean, I look like the marshmallow man. Because i got so much of good deed, bad deed, good deed, bad deed. I don't need that. You know what I need? I need somebody who actually can take these things off, not put them on. And you know what? Nobody else offered that to me but Jesus. Do you realize that? I mean, nobody else did. I mean, in the end of it all, there are people saying, well, you know, I just think it's going to be some kind of great balance. Good luck with that one, champ. Do you really think every good thought is going to outweigh all your bad thoughts? It still doesn't get rid of the smell. It still doesn't get rid of, I mean, a nice shirt does not make a bad shirt clean. No matter how many I try to put on. Well, this is guilt, friends. And that's why it weighs so much. And do you realize how loving God is to force a famine in the, in the land so that 11, so that 10 brothers can deal with the thing they need to deal with the most. See, we're told to love the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. God knows you're made up of parts. And every one of them has cravings. Your body has cravings. Because if your body didn't have cravings, you'd die. Let's just be honest. If you you didn't have taste buds, think about how good God is. He could have made you a robot and forced food into your mouth. He made it a pleasurable experience. Do you ever think about that? My God's a God of pleasure. Not sick and twisted, but a God of pleasure. He gave you eyeballs and he invented color. Did he have to do that? He gave you ears and he invented song. Did he have to do that? Do you think he did it for him? He gave you a mouth and he invented Thai food. It's because he loves me. And in all of this, this is what I come to God and I'm like, don't worry, God. I got it covered. It's like, I don't want it covered. I want it gone. I want it resolved. So I chant and I meditate and I eat yogurt. And some of you are thinking, how is he going to get all this off? I'm still not sure. I may just (laughs) sweat. (laughs) Pray for me. If I take it off, you're going to smell that other smell again. Um, you know, I, I, and, and, I, and I hope in the end of it all, what? but it doesn't pay for my guilt. I shoot half of the room, the other half, I give you their money. Is that going to work with God? Well, I, but I took the money and I gave it to the side that looked poorer. No, I'm just hypothetically. I'm not saying that. Except maybe Gonzalo. Um, friends, it doesn't work that way. God wants to resolve. And you have appetites. You have cravings. Your body has cravings. I'm going to say something. Listen, like I've like not taken any chances already today. Um, I think one of the reasons why God has put such a strong desire for a physical relationship among men is because God knows men are lazy and if all we had was to try to work out a relationship with a gal sometimes ew, they would have given up a long time ago and God knew the race would have ceased to exist and I'm not trying to pick on anyone the whole idea is sometimes we just don't get how things work and we just go well forget it I won't read the manual I'll just try to find an easier one and the reason I say that is, is that God knows how to put appetites in, but every appetite has a specific menu that God has ordained. Your mind has an appetite. Curiosity. Why do people get addicted to drugs? What person ever woke up and said, wouldn't it be awesome if I was addicted to heroin? What, it compels somebody to stick a needle in their arm. Every heroin addict I've ever met has always said the same thing, curiosity. I was among a crowd of people, and they were doing it, and I was curious. But there's more than just our mental, and there's more than just the physical. Because we have this appetite for companionship, to be a part of something, to be a part of a family, to be a part of something, to belong, to have a purpose. God gave you that appetite. The enemy knows how to tweak it. What person in their right mind takes two hits off of a cigarette? The first one should be enough. Anyone ever go, that's good. What compelled us to take the first one? The first drink of alcohol. Did anyone ever go, this is great. It's sour, it's bitter, it's warm. I won't develop that. What makes us go beyond that? We want to be a part of something. And this promises us we will. Grab a six-pack. You'll have a couple friends. Without it, you won't. Look at all these appetites. And among all of those appetites, there's a part of us that knows that we're not perfect. We're tweaked. We're messed up. And we can ignore it. We can build our personality around our strengths or build a humorous personality around our weaknesses. But in the end of it all, God knows this. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Your sin will find you out. It says you will reap what you sow. And by the way, if you plant a seed, it doesn't grow a seed. It grows a tree that gives lots of seeds. That's the problem with reaping what you sow. You sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. You don't reap the wind. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. That's the bad news. The good news is you sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life. Now, here's the good news. God knows every appetite you have. He knows the ones that have been poorly programmed. He knows which ones have been totally misdirected. And the kids in a gang, but it's the only family he's ever known. She's lost her virtue at 14. And now here she is among people she doesn't even know who she's with. But she's never known anything that really is love. And then you show up in a place like this. And you got appetites. Oh, my mind wants to get information. But knowledge in and of itself puffs up. That's what scripture says, Right? Oh, but my spirit is craving. And my spirit is craving more than just fellowship with people. Though it craves that, there's a part of me that craves that. I want to be a part of something. I want to be free. I want to be clean. And everything else doesn't meet the hunger. I never got cleaner by any other religion. I got more hungry. I never got satisfied among all of the riches and power that I possess. It made me hungrier and more confused because it was promised that I'd be okay once I got that, and I got it and I was worse. And I thought I must be some kind of crazy freak. If after getting everything I'm worse than I was when I started, how could I be more empty? with all this stuff. Because it doesn't meet the craving. But by God's grace, He'll use your craving to get you where you need to be. These boys have gone to Egypt not to be resolved of their guilt. God is sending them there for that purpose. They're going there because of another craving. They're hungry. And it was enough to get them there. And you know what? I don't know what got you in this building, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful you're here. But I'm here to tell you, if all you're looking for is a temporary fix, that's to go elsewhere for. This is the place where where needs get met permanently. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me will never thirst. I say, I'm sorry. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. And in the Greek, it's very simple. It's a present continuous. In other words, as long as you come, you'll be full. As long as you believe, you'll be satisfied. Let me say that again. As long as you come, you'll be full. Not to church, to Jesus. As long as you drink, you'll be satisfied, as long as you believe. So when I find myself as a Christian going, but wait a minute, I still these these moments and I find myself hungry again. What in the world am I doing? Jesus is like, you stop coming to me. You get that? All of a sudden I turn on the tube and there it is, the brand new, shiny, whatever, new and improved thing. I go, oh, I need that. And all of a sudden, I stop coming to Jesus for my satisfaction. I'm going up here, and Jesus says, look, as long as you come to me, you'll be full. And you know the saddest thing is as a pastor? I watch it, and I watch it with people who know better, and it happens anyways. They're in the Lord, and I tell you, they are joyful, like a just unboundable joy. They take a step away and that's not, they're not as joyful anymore. They take another step away and they're not joyful anymore and they know where they were. And something inside says, I just don't get in, I haven't got enough of this. If I get more of this, it'll fill that gap. So I'll take another step. Ah, I need to get more because then it'll fill this gap, which is bigger. So I'll try, and all of a sudden they're like head first into the vat. And they're so vacant. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you watch the person and you're like, do you remember where you were? That joy you had. That contagion you possessed. And now look at you. You're trying to sip from the same empty cistern and you're thirstier than you were before. You were satisfied, baby. And look at you now. And I tell you, these boys... And a temporary hunger have gone looking for an answer. And God, by the time this is going to be over, by the time this culminates, not today, but by the time this book culminates, they'll never have to worry about it again. They will move to a place where they'll never have to run and try to purchase another bit of grain for the rest of their lives. Let me ask you something. saints, before we develop a few verses of this text and for the small time we have remaining. Where are you at right now? I mean, sincerely. Are you trying to do that kind of buffet line? You know, where it's kind of like, you know what? I don't want to dig into all of this because if I just took Jesus, what? You just might actually get fully satisfied and people might think you're a nut, but you're satisfied? So I'll try to figure out that balance, that delicate balance between people thinking I'm just religious and not extreme so I can be just mildly miserable when I actually could be amazing. Is that the choice you want to make? Because the Lord has no intention for that and I'm going to dare say He wants you miserable if you're not walking with Him like He intended. Why, would he, If He created you to be with Him, why would He ever want you content? Why would He ever want you content away from Him if you were created to be with Him? Think that through. These guys, for over 20 years, have had to deal with this. And in this time, they've matured to some degree. At least they've come, they've learned a few things. But somewhere down the line in all of this, they know that there's a brother that got shipped off to Egypt over 20 years ago and there's a famine and they're all sitting around the house doing nothing but starving to death. Which, by the way, is a lot of our country here. And in that... I try to tell them about Jesus and they're like, oh, no, no, no. What I really want is peace. Oh, what you really need is the Prince of Peace. What I really want is joy. Oh, no, what you need is the King of Joy. Jesus doesn't promise to give you peace. He promises to be your peace. There's a big difference. Jesus isn't a store you belly up to when you're hungry. Jesus is the one you actually live in. He is the one who comes and makes his residence in you for purpose. Why are you guys looking at each other? Get up and do something about this. Can I just dare say, that's the way this is going to end today. What are you going to do about it? Do you think this is enough to gather the information now and die with the knowledge in your hand? The Lord is going to demand a choice of you. All. All. That's what he wants. All. And I say it this way. Love. That's what he wants, right? You see, if I love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, then I actually ask the Lord to meet every appetite by Himself. And you know what? When the Lord met my heart with the love that I needed, I didn't try to get from my wife what she was incapable of giving because she's only human. And I could enter into the relationship with the idea of what I could give to her instead of what I should take from her. Does that make any sense? when I asked the Lord to actually fill my mind, things have never been more clear. Things have gotten so much more simple. I tell you, all the convoluted, gray-scaled, murky areas that seem to be so intrusive, and now all of a sudden they're so simple and clear. And I look at that and I think, Lord, thank you. Did he brainwash me? Let me say, absolutely. My mind was Filthy. So praise God that he cleans. He met every need and continues to. So why are you guys looking at each other? I heard there's grain in Egypt. You ever been to Egypt, boys? No, I don't think they had. You're going to go there. The only thing they know about Egypt, again, is that they're hated there and they're hated there. Verse 3, they went down to buy grain. Jacob did not send his youngest brother because the last time the other son of the woman he loved the most, he had four wives. This was the one that had two children. Joseph is one, Benjamin's the other. Joseph came up missing. Why would he risk it with the only other one he has left? Which means, I'm going to send the ten of you. If you die, you die. I'm leaving Benjamin here. How do you feel if you're one of the ten? But it took a famine to be that severe. Joseph was, verse 6, was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. Notice God makes really, really clear. How many people did Joseph sell to, according to that verse? It's a simple question, theologians. How many? Go ahead and say it. Oh, come on. All, right? What does it say here? All. And by the way, you're probably aware of the fact that all means all. There you go. Did you get that? It's pretty simple, yeah? Now, what that means is the only way, the only way you were going to live was through Joseph. Did you get that? It wasn't even through Joseph's friends or Joseph's subordinates. You, I mean, every person on the world that wanted to get food had to go to this one person. Is that a little closed-minded? It is absolutely closed-minded, and praise God for that. Whether you know it or not, every important area has closed-minded issues, and you hope they stay that way. You hope that the driver who's coming in the lane across from you is closed-minded. That they're not going, oh, come on, lane splains, whatever, so whatever, what happened? So, you know, laws of what, like, you know, contact and inertia. Oh, who cares about those things? Those things don't really exist. I could go right through you, watch me. It doesn't work that way. You really hope that they have some concept that if they hit you, it's bad for both of you. You know, and so they won't. That's the idea of it. You go to a doctor. You really hope the doctor isn't going, well, let's see, we could use penicillin or we could use this other thing. I'm not really sure what it is. Let's try this first. It's kind of fun. We'll see what happens. No, you really hope he's closed minded about it. And the bottom line in all of that is when it comes to something important, there are areas, by the way, that they're not open for discussion. Now, you could have said in those days, well, I don't like I don't like Joseph. I don't know. The guy's like shaved headed. Look at all the mascara he wears. He should be in Camden, for goodness sakes, not handing out grain. You know, I don't want to go to Joseph. How close minded. I think we should be able to go to some other guy. That guy that we try to make fat, but he was never fat. You know, let's go to him, for instance. Fat, you know, food. Or whatever. Or let's go to this other person. Or whatever the case is. And in all these other things that we want to go to, think about the fact in the end of it all, God made really clear here, you can die anywhere you want and make. You can make up whatever you want and die. You had that freedom. And by the way, there was really important to recognize, you never sent somebody in your stead. The protocol, Egyptian, ancient Egyptian protocol is you did not come without a gift and you did not come sending someone in your stead. So in other words, I couldn't send a servant. We have a record of people who sent servants and they were denied. And the reason they were denied is because a servant came. And that does not play in Egypt. If you come, you have to come yourself. This comes something where if This is a need for you. You have to handle it. Your dad can't handle it. Your pastor can't handle it. This is something between you and man, which, by the way, is what he'll be called through the rest of the thing, is the man. You want it? You got to go to Joseph. That's just the way it is. But well, I don't like the fact that you're telling me that Jesus is the only way. You know what? I'm only telling you what he told me. Here's the good news nobody else called himself my Savior. Do you realize that? Here's the problem with all of this, is that in, in all of these other texts, what we're looking at, and you try to look at all of these other books, and I don't want to diss every other religion. It's just really simple. Nobody stepped in and said, you know what? You've got a sin issue, and that sin issue needs to be dealt with. So I'll tell you what. I'll just kind of look past it for a moment, so you could kind of go into paradise with your sin. Does that sound good to you? It never got dealt with. That's mercy? Let me tell you about grace. Grace is someone said, you know what, I am completely innocent and I will take your guilt upon myself so that all of your guilt could be paid for. And I will take it to the grave and then I'll come out again to show you it's paid in full. That's called saving. And only one person offered, only one person did, and only one person finished the job. And Jesus says, I'm the only one, that's all there is to it. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Everyone else says, earn it, put on more shirts, and let's see if you stink by the time you show up. Jesus says, I'm going to rip them all off of you, and it's off. It's over. So you tell me which one you would want to choose. In this case, Joseph has abundance. He has so much, he doesn't even have to count it. You come and he shows up, and it seems like he's been kind to everyone until these guys, these brothers, and they recognize him. In verse verse 8, it says, he recognized them; they didn't recognize him. And then he remembered those dreams. It's interesting. Remember, his first set of dreams, it was sheaves. And sheaves bow down. And I think that's interesting, because that's grain, and that's exactly where Joseph is sitting on at this very moment when these boys are bowing down. And I think that's an interesting place for them to be. Second time, by the way, if you remember, it's the moon and the stars. And of course, Dad will say, what are you talking about, me? Interesting. Do you know that it was Pharaoh himself actually called himself the morning star? I think that's interesting. That's like even Egypt was bowing to Joseph, whether you knew it or not. Now, with that in mind, he's talking through a translator and he's going, you're spies, and he speaks roughly. And I've got to tell you, that sounds so much like exactly Joseph's last encounter with them. You're a spy. You're just going to go tell Dad what we're doing or not doing. Ah... Uh. And they couldn't possibly speak anything but roughly, and Joseph's given an opportunity. But what is he doing? Is he just trying to give them a taste of their own medicine? Actually, what Joseph is doing here, and can I just dare say this, is he's fishing for the bigger need. The bigger need isn't food here. What he wants to ultimately do is he's going to fish out of them a sense of guilt. Now, that sounds horrible unless actually you're guilty. Understand this. If I were a doctor, and you came to me, and you had a horrible problem, and that horrible problem is actually keeping you from being mobile, you are stuck in a chair. You cannot move. You want me to find your problem. Be honest. You want me to find your pathogen. You want me to find the problem. Because if I don't find the problem, it doesn't get fixed. Are you with me on this? Now, God has not told me as a pastor that what I need to do is whack every bush in your life and see what flies out. I go, ah! The bottom line is God made it actually really clear. The problem we all have is a terminal case of sin. And because we have a terminal case of sin, I don't even have to study your symptoms. God made it really simple, unequivocally universal in the diagnosis. And that is, every one of us has the same problem. And because we have the same problem, though it may manifest in different ways, because we have the same problem, because the cause is the same, same, so is the cure. And because of that, I know, even though I may not know every symptom you've experienced, or every reason you want to blame it, in the end of it all, all I want you to do is to be honest enough to be able to tell me, I'm broken, I need to get fixed. Because if you don't, you can stand and the doctor can say, I can heal you with that. And you would go, shut up, I'm fine. The doctor says, well, you apparently ain't sick enough to ask for help, then are you? Joseph comes, these boys are there, they're hungry, they're coming before him. And he looks at them, and what he's ultimately saying is, you guys are guilty. And what they say is, no way, I'm not guilty. We're honest guys. You know what they're saying? I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. Ignore the snow. I'm a good guy. Do you get it? And at the end of it all, it'll get to the point, what does it take for Joseph to weep? They're going to look at each other and go, and look, at four, look at it with me. Verse 21. Then they said to one another, what do they say? You say it out loud. What does it say? We're truly guilty. Did you get it? They looked at each other and they went, oh man, we're guilty. And that's what hits Joseph. Them arguing, no, 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 we're nice people. Man, he's just like, you have no idea what I know of you. All they think is he's a stranger that's in charge that they're going to approach now to hope to get a little bit of fix from. And that's the way the world treats God, don't they? I just want to belly up to the stranger and just try to tell him I'm a pretty good guy, good enough to get a little something to eke out a decent life while I'm here and he's like, Look at I wanna deal with the problem. I don't want to just do this because you don't know this, but I have a storehouse of blessings that I cannot wait to avalanche upon you. And you're trying to eke out this little thing because you think you're good. I don't want this. I want to completely engulf you in an ocean of my love. But for that to happen, you got to get off your pride for a second and just be honest with me, would you? You need something more than just a couple grains of, of, of grain. You need forgiveness. If you don't go for that, where are you going to go? To the next place for the next fix? See you next trial, God. Please get me out of this. I need a miracle. And I know you're kind of in that business, right? There's a warrant out for my arrest. The bill's way too big for me to pay. She's really getting crazy on me or whatever it is. God, you're going to have to step in. And then he kind of steps into it. And you're like, cool, I'll see you the next time. There's a real miracle that's needed. And then we'll diss him the rest of the time as if he has no purpose in our lives. God's like, look, at I want to deal with the real deal here. boy. you are spies. No, 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 we're decent. But see, Joseph's going to learn a couple of things in this text. I'm going to bring this around to close. Well, one of the things he's going to learn is his dad's still alive. It's been over 20 years. But put yourself in Joseph's sandals for a second, his nice golden padded sandals. He's sitting here like this, and he—and all of a sudden he sees these boys come up. And as he sees these boys come up, how many of them are there? There are ten. And he recognizes them. Joseph knows he's been sold. He's been treated extremely poorly. Which one's missing? His youngest brother, the one that's his full brother. What would you think at that moment? I'd have thought they killed him. They sold him. I should, go, I should put a uh, gum tree ad out in <laughs> Egypt. Looking, looking. Do you, have you been sold by your brothers? Sold by brother support group. Maybe he'll show up. That'd be good. And in one verse, he learns two things. Dad's still alive, and we have a younger brother too. He's with dad right now. And I'd think, oh man, i got to get that kid out. i got to get him out as soon as I can. Wouldn't you think that? Yeah. So I'll tell you what, here's the deal. I'm going to lock all you up. Go and get that little brother and get him here. Do you see it? And then he realizes, wait a minute, you guys have families, don't you? Hmm. One guy's not going to be enough to handle all this. That can't happen. I'll tell you what, I fear God. And he does. That's one thing we'll say. He He fears the Lord. In other words, I have reverence. And because I have reverence, hear this, hear this, hear this. Because I have reverence for your God, I respect the life of these people I don't know. Life is important to me. Even life of strangers. It's important to me. So much so that I'll tell you what, I'll keep one, I'll send the rest of you back with enough grain so that we can make sure all of your families are fed. Because I respect your God and I know your God is a God of life. And because your God is a God of life, I want to love your families even though I don't know them yet. Did you get that? Isn't that good news? So here's the last thing on all of this. Why do you pick Simeon? Well, Remember, here's Joseph All these guys are arguing among themselves and they're freaking out. They're trembling. Remember he's speaking rough to him, and that's probably the last time. He'd imagine he was like, "Oh hi," speaking to a translator. So you know, he's got these mouthpieces. You know, "Oh oh really? How much do you need? Well, here, let me give you a double. Good. Next person in the queue. Hi, how much do you? Oh, let me take care of that. And what? And you're like, "Whoa, wait a minute. What just happened? How what? Uh, you were nice to everybody else. Why us?" Did you get that? And all of a sudden he's like, and so they're trembling. I mean, they're going, oh, this isn't good. This is the freakiest situation we've been in in a long time. All I came, oh, hey, I want a little of this. All I came is for a little bit of this. He's like, hmm. Well, prove it. So here's the deal. Reuben says, I told you not to do that. I told you not to get that. And all of a sudden, this is the other thing that Joseph learns and all of us. Remember, they don't know he understands them. Because he's speaking through a mouthpiece. They don't know that he's completely party to their conversation, that he knows them so much better than they have any concept of. So as a result of that, he learns Reuben was not actually part of the plot. Reuben, by the way, of the 12 sons, which one is he? He's the firstborn. So the firstborn was not responsible for this plot to sell off Joseph. Who's the second born? Simeon. Simeon. And so who goes to prison? Simeon does. Do you get it? He's going to hold him responsible. Even though we do read, by the way, it was Joseph's idea, but we don't necessarily read, by the way, that Joseph heard that. because He was in the pit. He's like, hey, we've got some traders going. Why don't we just sell them? But he still held the oldest responsible for it, if that makes sense. Now listen, beloved, by the time we're done with this whole thing, these guys are going to move in And they will never have to worry for the rest of their lives for another piece of grain. And there are five years left in this famine. And they will actually be able to live in the lap of luxury in the midst of a horrible famine. But I'll tell you what it's going to take for it to happen. It's going to take for them to deal with the guilt and get it permanently resolved and not just removed, but resolved. And when that happens, it's no longer shirt after shirt after shirt after shirt. It's, um, it's freedom. It's purity. Now, look There's so much else that I wish that I could develop in this. But let me say in the end of it all, the Lord wants to deal with things more than just temporarily. You know, it's the homeless person that comes in there looking for a quid, Right? Because they're, they're hungry, and you're like, well, yeah, can I help you beyond that? Can we help you get a house? Can we help you get a job so that you won't have to spend the rest of your life doing this? So you see the difference. So if I give you a quid, you're going to be back soon, shortly after this to need another one. And we do the same thing with the Lord, like we're beggars. And God, just give me a little something. And God goes, how about if I change your life completely? That's what I really want to do here. Now look, if you've never accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, and maybe you're still trying to shop religions, first of all, you can't take Jesus and anything else. First of all, you need to know Jesus has the right of exclusivity. Because he actually died on the cross to save you and ask the Father, if there was any other way, let this cup pass from before me. In other words, Jesus begged the Father and said, if there's another option, then don't send me to the cross. Now a God that would send his cross and have him tortured like that and give you another option is a wicked, cruel God. But nobody else offered to die in your stead. Why would you say no to that? Because it's a gift. It's grace. God invented the word. God lives the word. And it has not made it to the devil's vocabulary to this day. And if you've never accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, I'd love the privilege of inviting you. You don't have to know everything. Do you know you're guilty? In a world where all we want is to be comfortable, nobody wants... You're making me feel guilty because you know what that means. You're pulling me out of my comfort. Sure, I'm pulling you out of your comfort so you could be permanently rested. Isn't that better? Would you rather live on morphine or be cured of the pain? And I'm offering you that. How do I know that? Because I've been a patient myself. On the other side of it, Christians... What about you? Are you trying to fill the vacuum that only he can fill with something else and you're trying harder and harder and harder and in the end of it all, you're thirsty now and you're like, that's strange, I shouldn't be thirsty. Or you're hungry now, I shouldn't be hungry now. And then you feel bad because you're like, wait a minute, what kind of witness am I? I'm supposed to be the one that's satisfied for everyone else. What am I doing? Beloved, today the Lord wants to send you out of here free. Pure and free. And if you're in a crash collision right now with your guilt, with your past, or anything else that if it stared you in the face, it would drop you, it's time to let it go. Because the Lord wants more than us just to try to cause us to forget it. He wants to resolve it and let it go. Cast it as far as east, It's from West. It'll be over. Because he plays for Keith. Will you pray with me? Lord, before I get out of these 15 shirts, I want to thank you. Because in this small period of time we've had, Lord, we have an example of boys here that for 20 years, have had this nagging thing that will keep them from sleeping well at night. Though we may not have seen it on the outside, at night it's evident and you see it. And Lord, even as they stood before Joseph, unaware that it was Joseph, unaware that the answer to their problem was before them, they had to listen to this mouthpiece unaware that the answer that knew them better than they could have possibly imagined was before them as well. And here I stand as a mouthpiece among a fellowship, Lord, that right now may not even be fully aware of the fact that you, the answer to their problems, is before them, who knows them even better than they know themselves. And Lord, while Joseph would learn for the first time what story was made up about him, You know already, Lord, what things we've resolved in our head about you that are untrue. Ways that we've tried to tuck you away into small corners versus allow you to be the Lord of all. And God, I just pray right now for every Christian, myself included, that we would seize that promise, Lord, that if we would come to you, that we would never hunger. And as long as we come to you, we'll never hunger. And as long as we believe in you, we trust in you that we'd never thirst. So I pray right now, Lord God, for every believer here, myself included, Lord God, pull us away from those empty cisterns that can hold no water that Jeremiah spoke of, and immerse us deep in the the river of your living water, that we would trust you like we should and come to you for all of our appetites, every craving. Because when I crave, you are my answer. And with that right now, Lord, you know in this room or at the sound of this voice, anyone who may have yet to make that choice to say yes to you. And right now, I imagine it's a rather nagging thing upon them. Because Lord, even at this moment, they have the opportunity to be free. And I recognize how tough that may be to reconcile lord god i recognize that for some of us we've gotten so used to these burdens that we don't even know how to live without them but god we don't want them anymore we're tired of dragging them around we're tired lord of of trying to pretend lord that that the stink isn't there We're tired of being haunted at night, Lord, by our pasts and the things, Lord, that we can't resolve. And we recognize, Jesus, only your blood can wash that away. I openly confess, Jesus, you died on the cross so that every rotten, nasty thing can be hung there and laid there and buried there and left there. And then you rose from the dead to offer me new life one no longer under that power and dominion, one no longer under the tyranny of of Satan and sin's rules. But now, Lord, that I could walk free, unencumbered and unfettered by the bondage of my guilt and shame, set free to be pure before You. Thank You that the moment I'm in You, I'm a new creation, and I continue to be a new creation for the rest of my eternity. So I say yes to the gift of Jesus Christ. Your death on my behalf as my Savior, as my redemption, as my Redeemer, as my ransom. And your resurrection. And therefore, your Lordship on my life. As even with these boys, they will learn the responsibility of submission. Of seizing your gift as they surrender themselves. And so I do the same. I surrender myself to you and seize the grace you offer me and claim it as my own. So have me. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. Jesus, in your name. And if you agree, I ask you to say, Amen. Friends, thank you. Thank you for the privilege and the honor of being able to go through the Word with you. Thank you for the blessing of being your pastor. Hey, take a moment. I recognize we've gone ridiculously late. Wow, that's so strange. Um, (laughs) But unless you need to get out of here, just take a moment, would you please, and just seek the Lord before you get up in, in fellowship and just ask the Lord, are there any unsettled accounts between me and you? So that today you can walk out of here with an absolute pure conscience because he's in the business of that. God bless you, saints.